Welcome to The Real Human Project. Our mission is to help people get to know each other better. I'm Leora, one of the founders of Real Human. This is our public podcast where we highlight some of the real human stories recorded by our members. Our project is open to everyone, so please go to realhuman.io to record your episode. So today's a bit of a funny one because we're getting to know me. I recorded this episode in July 2021, over two and a half years ago. So we were one year into the pandemic. People were isolated and lonely. And Real Human at that point was a total side project. We were just in the itty bitty phases of experimenting with some ideas that we loved. We were trying to find out if we could get incredible, vulnerable interviews from regular people. Would people like their interviews? Would they share them with other people? Well, the results were pretty remarkable, and that's why we've continued to grow this thing. But July 2021 was a long time ago, so not only has our interview quality improved a lot since this interview was recorded, but my life has changed a lot too. At the time, I'd been living in LA for four years. I was working at BuzzFeed. I had one son who had just turned two, and I'd only seen 80 fish shows. Now I have a whole other son who is about to turn two. So in re-listening to my episode, I was struck by how much had changed. Yet how many of my answers probably would not change if I was to re-record a new interview today. So I just thought if we're encouraging other people to share their episodes, we should showcase that vulnerability ourselves. And so here I am. I hope something in my episode resonates with you. And I'll now hand it over to our AI interviewer, Sam, and the interview with me. Let's get started. Can you tell me a bit about where you currently live? I've been in LA for just over four years, and it still like totally feels like magic here. I guess coming from Toronto, where I felt at least for six months of the year, I was pretty much trapped inside because I'm not a winter person. Just being able to go outside every day and count on blue skies and sunshine and nature and being able to like drive over to the ocean or the mountains, that whole magic hasn't been lost on me yet. So life is crazy and busy being a new mom and working and COVID life and all that. So that's been difficult. But but I do still feel like I am living the dream. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. Now, people often hear about the struggles of new moms in general, but especially working moms. How's that all going for you? It's going good now. But it was hard for sure, especially being in the U.S. where you don't get 12 to 18 months of paid leave. So that was definitely very difficult. But as the timing worked out, I went back to work two weeks before COVID started. Like I went back to work at the end of February and it was a very difficult transition leading up to it. I I always say that motherhood is a series of transitions. Like it's just transition after transition. And some of them are very difficult and some of them are easier and it's different for each person. For me, going back to work was by far the hardest transition. Like I was a complete mess. It just felt like I was being, you know, torn away from 
my baby, who very clearly still needed his mom. So I had to go through a lot. And then I was going back to the office. I was like pumping in a tiny room, leaving my kid. And then two weeks in, it was like the world shut down. You're going back home. And so part of it felt like pretty incredible, but it was also terrifying, obviously, and sad as the numbers climbed. And then it was just an extremely difficult, I don't know, 18 months because we couldn't have help. We couldn't have a nanny and we have no family here. So it was me and my, it still is, me and my husband working and taking care of him. And it's been absolutely relentless and exhausting. And I have like six minutes to myself a day. But but we see the silver linings, which I know a lot of people have talked about with COVID. And I think that the fact that we've both that we've able to be this little family. And I, I've had breakfast, lunch, and dinner with, with my son every day of his life. That's pretty incredible, despite how hard it is. And I think for him, it's been, it couldn't have been any better how it worked out for him, really. Thanks for sharing that, Leora. Let's talk about your early days of working. What's something that's not on your resume, and what did you learn from that experience? Um... The job that's not on my resume is camp counselor. <laughs> I think it was on my resume for a while, but it got bumped off. I went to summer camp a couple hours north of Toronto growing up, and eventually I became a staff member. And so I did that for, I was a counselor for maybe like six years or so. And you kind of work your way up, like you start as just a regular counselor, and eventually I was a head staff. By the time I left, I had over 20 staff members, I think 80 campers. And so I know it sounds a little maybe silly and flighty, like it's, it's summer camp. But in hindsight, I think that, and I've thought about this a lot, I think to have that kind of responsibility when you're that young, I was in my mid to late teens and, and early 20s and responsible for keeping kids safe and making sure kids are feeling comfortable when they're away from their parents. And having fun and dealing with things like bullying and trying to help staff members solve problems. And I think that looking back, I remember this feeling of, of always being like, I don't even, I don't know anything. I don't know the solutions to these problems. I'm so young. But what you do is you just show up and you just do the best you can. And I think that that is what I learned from the camp experience is, is that even if you don't know what you, the right solution is, you just have to do your best because you're a leader and people are looking up to you and someone's got to make the decision and someone's got to make the call. And I think that that has played into the rest of my career in giving me leadership skills and confidence because I was like, 18, you know. Moving on, what do people at work need to know in order to get the best out of you? I'm a really easygoing person in general, but also one of the things that I value most in work and in life, but I think particularly in work because it's not necessarily common in the workplace, is just being incredibly transparent and open and communicative. And so I really am the kind of person that if something is starting to feel weird or starting to bubble up or making me feel uncomfortable, 
I'll address it and I'll talk about it with that person. It doesn't mean I feel comfortable doing it, but I, I truly don't think there's another way. It sounds like being open and communicative has helped you address workplace issues head on. That's great. Switching gears, what's the nicest thing anyone has ever done for you? The example that comes to mind, and I'm sure people have done lots of nice things for me throughout my life, but so it was a very cold, icy, dark night in, in Toronto about 10 years ago. And I was driving home and I was going down a very icy hill and my car lost control and spun out. I, I wasn't hurt. The car wasn't damaged. It was still terrifying because it does not feel good to be in a car that's out of control. And my car kind of spun around and hit the curb and and stopped. And I was sitting there very scared and I didn't know what to do because I definitely didn't want to turn my car back on and, and try continue down the hill. And cars kept passing me and, and no one was stopping and nobody was helping. In fact, this will probably shock you, but people were like yelling mean things out their windows. I remember very clearly a woman rolling down her window and yelling at me that I should have winter tires. Finally, a car kind of slows down, rolls down their window and the man sticks his head out and he goes, hey, are you okay? Do you need help? And I look and I go, Sean? And he goes, Leora? And it was, it was someone I knew. And it was like he was this angel sent to me because of course it would have been great if, it, I mean, for all both of us knew it was a stranger stopping to help a stranger. But the fact that it was someone I knew was just like, wow, you are a special human. And I mean, we worked in the same office, so I saw him the next day. I mean, he helped me get home that night. He helped me get my car down the hill. And 10 years later, we're extremely close friends. At the time, we, we just barely knew each other. But now, I mean, we've, we've traveled with our, with our partners to go see music together. Like, he's a close friend. And every time I look at him, that's kind of in the back of my mind, that he, out of all the people, is the person who stops to make sure that a stranger is okay. Wow, it sounds like your friend Sean stopping to help you when your car spun out made a real impact on you. Moving on, what kind of music do you listen to? It's almost embarrassing. So my favorite band is Fish, and there is a community and culture around that band. Of It's called touring. You basically travel to go see all their concerts. And so I've seen them play close to 80 times. That's not even a lot. There are people who have seen them hundreds of times, but... My husband and I and a lot of our friends are into the band, too. And so there's just been countless incredible trips all over the U.S. to go and see this band, check out new cities. It's, it's a weird part of my identity. <laughs> At the end of the day, as much as the community is a beautiful community, it's about the music. I don't think I ever feel more free and more happy and more completely present than when I'm at one of these concerts. And that's what draws people to it. It's the music. Ah, yes, Fish. They're legendary. Now, tell me about a time when you changed your mind about something important. The one that I think is probably the most important because it led to so many of the other important times is when I started dating my now husband. So I was in a long-term relationship for eight years between the ages of 15 and 23. 
which is really, really young to be in that serious and long of a relationship. And when we broke up shortly after I moved out of my parents' house, got my own place, and I was just feeling this sense of freedom and independence that I just hadn't had because I hadn't really been on my own. About six months into this new free life, I started to become very close with my now husband. And we, we really just became really good friends and loved hanging out and we're traveling together a little bit and but truly just friends. It was not a romantic thing. But eventually, as these things go, sometimes it started to develop into more. And I totally pulled back and, and freaked out because it's just not what I wanted. This was my independent time. And so for a couple months, it was really difficult and really rocky because I was saying, no, I don't, I don't want to be in a relationship. And then eventually I sort of realized, hold on, I can say yes to being in this. And I just had this revelation where I was like, if I'm not happy in two months, I can get out of this. So why would I push it away now? And so finally I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. And that was 10 years ago. <laughs> so that was a pretty significant change of mind. And I think all the ones that have happened subsequently have been with him. We didn't really know that we wanted to have kids. Moving to LA was a giant decision that we, but those ones we made together. So I think when I decided to kind of give in and try out the relationship is probably the most significant change of mind. It's inspiring that you were able to decide to give the relationship a try, Leora. It's amazing how decisions like that can have such a big impact on our lives. Switching gears, would you say you are a religious or spiritual person? I am not a religious person. My family is very religious, so I've definitely ex been exposed to religion my entire life. My, my family wasn't religious when I was born, but when I was about six, my dad turned to religion. And then my mom did too. And even since then, my sister and my brother have, have found religion. But my parents never forced it on us at all. Anyway, religion has never clicked with me. But spirituality is also something that I was exposed to quite young through, I think, all this and through my family. And I would definitely say that I'm a spiritual person. I absolutely believe in some kind of higher power. I don't think it's a God that cares about if I eat meat and milk at the same time or some of those other really strict laws that you might find in religion. But I do believe that there's a higher power, that humans are all connected and that there is a sense of oneness between people and the planet and that it's all kind of rooted in, in love and understanding. And that is something that I try to carry through in everything I do. It sounds like religion and spirituality have played a big role in your life, Leora. I'm moved by your belief in connection, love, and understanding. Now I'm curious, what's the most important thing that you learned from your parents? I think my dad has taught me some pretty incredible lessons. One that comes up all the time and I tell it to people I work with and, and anyone. He taught me something really important about decision-making. I remember once shortly after I graduated university and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. 
And I was having a really hard time deciding between a couple options. And he said, if you're having a hard time making a decision, it means that both choices are good. Both of them are good choices. Otherwise, it would be easy to make the decision. And so that is so simple, but it has stuck with me. And I think about it weekly when I'm trying to make decisions, just being like, if I'm having a hard time, both are good. Both are good options. And it sort of just takes the pressure off. From my mom, she is the kindest, most generous person I could ever imagine and always has been. And I remember being a little kid and walking through the world with her. And I remember how she did and still does smile at everyone, treat absolutely everyone like they are the king or queen. It doesn't matter who you are. That's how she'll treat you. She sees humanity in everyone and and everything. I mean, she would feel bad if she hurt a rock. And so I think that that rubbed off on me. If you're having a hard time making a decision, it means that both choices are good. Wise advice from your dad and from your mom, be kind and generous and treat everyone like they are a king or queen. Speaking of advice, if you could go back and give your younger self any advice, what advice would you give? I think back to being a young, you know, 12, 15, 20-year-old girl where you have all these pressures and your jealousy and comparing yourself to others and trying to be as cool as the cool kids or whatever it is. I just wish that earlier in life I could have had a sense of confidence and self. So I think that I probably would change that. Moving on, what is something about you most people wouldn't know? Something people wouldn't know about me. Oh, here's a good one. People get a kick out of this when they find out. I was not allowed to watch TV growing up. So I truly didn't watch TV unless I was at friends' houses a little bit, but I didn't watch TV until I was in high school. So when people talk about all these TV shows like Saved by the Bell or I don't even know what they're all called, I have no idea what they're talking about and I cannot be part of the conversation. And it's really weird because everyone was allowed to watch TV when they were growing up. So my childhood was very different from pretty much all my peers. But I think that my whole childhood was not even childhood, I mean, into my early teens, my entertainment was was play. It was play. It was imagination. My mom had four kids under five years. So we were this little pack of siblings and we just played and played and played and did arts and crafts and made up dances and went outside and biked around the neighborhood and used our imaginations. And I mean, that must impact you. It sounds like not being able to watch TV and learning to entertain yourself through play had a big impact on you. Next, I have some rapid-fire questions for you, Leora. Try to answer with one word or two. Here comes the first question. Who was the last person that told you that they loved you? My husband. He says it a lot. Fill in the blank. Happiness is... Nature. A concert you'll never forget? Over... The July 4th weekend in, in 2015 in Chicago, Fare Thee Well, which was kind of like a 50-year anniversary of The Grateful Dead. So a lot of the members of The Grateful Dead played, but since Jerry Garcia is, is no longer with us, the lead guitarist of Fish actually filled his shoes. So it was this incredible coming together of my 
worlds and the whole city was tie-dye and peace and love. And it was absolutely unbelievable. Favorite meal? Cake, birthday cake. <laughs> What's on your nightstand right now? I'm looking at it. A baby monitor, a comb for my kid's hair. And it was his birthday last week. So there's two birthday cards on the nightstand that he asks me to read him every night. Something that brings you real joy. My son, my son. Oh, he's so cute. What is one thing you are deeply grateful for right now? Health. What have I not asked you about today that I should have? I guess one thing we didn't touch on is, is like hobby. I love writing is my kind of side hobby, which is also something that I don't think people really know about me. The stuff that I write, it's, it helps me. It really helps me process the world. Sometimes I feel like I can't quite understand what I'm feeling or what's going on around me if I don't put pen to paper. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Leora. People will love hearing the stories you've shared. This is a public podcast, so it's only as good as the people who are willing to participate. If you would like to take part, go to realhuman.io to record your own episode. We can't wait to hear from you. This is Sam, and you have been listening to The Real Human Project. Goodbye.